encounter God and just discover more about who we are in Christ, our true identity, and, a, and out of knowing who we are comes our a destiny. How many of you know you just can't um, read a book or take a test and figure out what you were born to do? It, it comes from inside. And it comes from deep in the, just the, the spiritual DNA God put in you. And the more we come to know him, the more we come to know who I am and what I was born for. It just becomes this natural outflowing, just like planting a little seed. If you've ever planted a seed in a garden, you can't quite tell what that seed is. But once it starts taking root and growing up, then, it, then oh, that's what that is. That's what the leaves look like. That's what the flowers look like. So that's what our goal is, to really help us take our, the seed of our heart and put it deeper into God's heart so that we become more intimate with him, more comfortable coming to him and looking in his face, right? Looking in his eyes, because it's looking in his eyes, they so purely reflect back to us who we are. So let's just pray. Jesus, thank you, God, for tonight for what you're going to do in each one of us, for the, the seeds of truth you're going to plant, the seeds from your word, the seeds in our spirit, the seeds in our soul, the revelations, God, of um, what is possible for us in you. I pray you would be opening doors and setting us free from anything that's holding us back from running straight into your arms and allowing you to just touch us and love on us, God. Would you just wash away anything from the past that's um, given us any false sense of who you are, how incredibly accepting and nurturing and unconditional you are in your love for us. We are so grateful, Jesus. We're here because of you. We're not here to have a class. We're here because of you. You're the only point in being here, God. It's you. It's, it's your truth. It's your presence that we need, that we yearn for, God. So just do what you want tonight, Jesus, just in each and every one here. Thank you, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> so, so tonight we're going to talk about the secret place, because that's um, referenced all throughout the scriptures, especially the Psalms, as a place we have in, in Christ, a place to go, a place to be. We're going to talk about that. We're going to look at the scriptures. I brought a friend tonight, Sarah, who's going to help uh, kind of tell us a little bit of her story and some ways she's encountered God. So she's going to help. I appreciate that so much, because I think... I think where we sometimes get in trouble is we compare my experience to somebody else's experience. And how many of you know each one of us is going to encounter God in our own unique way? So I really wanted somebody else to be here tonight to just kind of give you that, um, that little taste of how it works for her and what it looks like for her. And we're also going to do some sharing um, with each other, too, because I, I think it's, it's just very helpful to hear each other's stories. So the secret place of God that we have, he who dwells in the shelter of the one most high, 
will abide in the shadows of the Almighty. Of course, that's familiar scripture from Psalm 91. We can come freely, absolutely freely. There is nothing holding us back except for our own mindsets <laughs> from coming straight into his arms. And it is our own mindsets because our own mindsets sometimes thinks, oh, I'm not holy enough. I made some mistakes today. I kind of blew it. I had an attitude, so I can't come. Which is not what he's saying. It's what our minds say. Or, oh, he's going to judge me. He's, I'm not good enough. It just goes, the list goes on and on. But my scriptures say, come freely into his presence. He paid for every incompleteness in us. He took care of every way we might sin or mess up or our weakness. He took care of it all. That's what he is. That's what the perfect priesthood of Christ is. Um, in Hebrews 4.14 so then, we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He sympathizes with our frailty. He gets that we're weak. He gets that we don't always do it right, that we don't have our answer, all the answers. We're not supposed to. Okay? We are not supposed to have all the answers. We, we're only supposed to know who, how to go to the one who has all the answers, who gets it right all the time. He understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. The scripture's really clear. You're weak. You don't have it together. You're struggling. Come freely, boldly to the throne of grace. That's exactly when you need to come. Don't wait till you've prayed long enough or worshiped long enough or read your word long enough, or gone to enough meetings, come freely, anytime, place. We also know from the scriptures that he's inviting us and calling us to strengthen our spiritual senses, that we can come to him by faith, yes, but we can actually come experientially with our spiritual senses. And this is also in Hebrews, Hebrews 5.14. And we can strengthen our ability to connect and discern with the spiritual realm because of this. Again, Hebrews 5.14, but solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Our spiritual senses, our seeing, we're kind of more familiar with seeing, right? Seeing in the spirit, getting pictures, getting visions, having dreams at night, that's seeing in the spirit. We also can hear. We sometimes hear things in the spirit. We might hear nobody's singing, but I'm hearing somebody singing, for instance, or musical instruments sometimes. We hear things that are going on in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we smell. I think I've 
I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because it fits right here. I was in a time of worship once, and um, I think whoever was leading was kind of leading us into an encounter time with God. So I was having this encounter with Jesus in heavenly places, and he was leading me. He was, he was serving me communion. So he was feeding me bread, and we're taking bread and wine together. And it was, of course, wonderful. And then when I sort of got up and, and uh, you know, came out of it, and then I went over to a friend and hugged her, and she's like, Susan, have you been eating fresh bread? Uh-huh. She smelled fresh bread on my breath that I had just been eating in the spirit. That's how real this stuff is. Yeah? I mean, how, have you, how many of you have smelled something when you're in worship or in a certain setting? Yeah? Okay, a per- good percentage of that. How many of you see visions or, or have dreams on a regular basis? Yeah? Which I know only probably half the people are, are raising their hands. So I'm going to say more than 50% <laughs> based on that. Or, um, yeah, or you hear things sometimes. And you're like, what was that I heard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, so those are the, your, that's your, spirit, your spiritual senses. And the scripture is of absolutely affirming that it's good to use these things, practice them, experiment with them, because these things can help us enter into the spiritual realm and have greater encounters with them. So let's look at the different ways we encounter God in the spirit, okay? Because they're all over the scriptures. Most of these scriptures are from Psalms and the Song of Solomon because they're so pictorial, aren't they? And I think they're more than just, um, I mean, you can look at the scriptures, especially these scriptures, and think of them as being poetic. But I really think they're much more than poetic. I think there's a lot that's literal about these scriptures. Oh, yeah, and that was the scripture we just read was Hebrews 4. Okay, and for example, the garden. There are numerous places in the scripture that talk about the garden of our heart. Song of Solomon 4, 10 through 15. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet perfume praises so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like a honeycomb to me. Your tongue released, releases milk and honey, for I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. My darling bride, my private paradise, fastened to my heart. A secret spring are you that no one else can have, my bubbling fountain hidden from public view. What a perfect partner to me now that I have you. Your inward life is now sprouting, bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. When I'm near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice, for many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. Your life flows into mine, pure as a garden spring. A well of living water springs up from within you, like a mountain brook flowing into my heart. 
How many of you at any point have had that experience of being in a garden or a meadow? You know what I'm talking about? Like Psalm 23? And I can tell you, I have done a lot of ministry like out on the street, in my, in my medical practice, New Age festivals. People see that meadow. People see Psalm 23. They experience it saved or not saved. They can literally start walking into that place and experience it. And whether or not they know Jesus, they'll often have an encounter with him. They may not be ready to acknowledge him yet. But that is a very real place in the spirit. And the reason why it's so helpful to have these kind of encounters is these different words, these different phrases we're looking at, we need, our heart needs these things. We need to have a place to go to find safety, to find protection. We need to have a place to go when we're hurting, when we're, we're struggling, when we don't understand. We just need to go to find peace, that place. So all these different ways are ways to encounter him and find him and just get recharged and re, um, you know, rebooted up again. It also, in the Psalms, refers to Jesus as our refuge and our strong tower. For you have been a shelter and a refuge for me, a strong tower against the adversary. The enemy is beating you up. You're going through some struggles. Yeah, that's when you need to go running to him and find him. And I'll tell you, we need to find him when we're not in the middle of a struggle because when you're in the middle of the struggle, it's kind of hard to find your way. How many of you know what I mean? I mean, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> My boss is mad, mad at me. If I haven't had a, a connection with Jesus recently, it's kind of hard to get back to that place of finding his peace. I'm fine because I'm fine with Jesus, and I don't need to worry about what people are thinking about me right now. Yeah, so it's really good to cultivate these places because they very much strengthen us in the spirit. And then when you go through stuff, it's like, that's okay. I know where to go. I know where to go to be reminded of who I am. The character of God is a tower of strength. This is Proverbs 18.10. For the lovers of God delight to run into his heart and be exalted on high. And Isaiah 4, 6. And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat, for a place of refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. And he's our fortress. There it is. You're the only place of protection for me, a mountain cliff fortress. This is Psalm 71.3. I keep coming back to hide myself in you, for you are like a mountain cliff fortress where I am kept safe. He's also our hiding place. Psalm 32.7. You're my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And one of my favorites, the secret place. 
Psalm 27, 5. In the shelter, in his shelter in the day of trouble, that's where you'll find me. For he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place where I'm kept safe and secure out of reach from all my enemies. And Psalm 31. So hide all your beloved ones in the sheltered secret place before your face. Overshadow them by your glory presence. Keep them from these accusations, the brutal insults of evil men. Tuck them safely away in the tabernacle where you dwell, Jesus. For you are my dove, and this is Song of Solomon 2.14. You are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. And the last one we're going to talk about, he's a shield. Psalm 18, you're as real to me as bedrock beneath my feet. Like a castle on a cliff, my forever firm fortress, my mountain of hiding, my pathway of escape, my tower of rescue where none can reach me my secret strength and shield around me. You are salvation's ray of brightness shining on the hillside, always the champion of my cause. And I think this last little picture (laughs) kind of encapsulates everything, right? You see the little tiny, the little tiny little swan inside there under mommy's wings. He shall cover them with his feathers, and under his wings shall we trust. His truth shall be a shield and buckler. He's all those things for us and more, like a baby being held by mom. That baby has not a worry in the world. And we learn to come running to him and allow him to become all these things for us. We'll get that sense of I'm safe. I can rest. I don't have to feel so tr- stressed out. I don't have to, as, as Paul Young would say, I don't have to future trip. I'm, I'm really good at doing that. I don't have to imagine what coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? Or ex- figure out where things are going to go in a week or two from now. He wants me to stay right now still present, being held in him. This is why I kind of spoke about all those different words, which are really are reflections of the name of God, aren't they? All those different words are, are his name. And, of course, there's a thousand more. But we allow the, it, ourselves to be surrounded by the truth of his name, of who he is. It keeps us safe. It keeps us in a safe place in him. So now... I want us to have just a little bit of a time sharing with each other. That's okay with you. I want to have us all break up into groups of no more two to three, no more than three, okay? 
And what we want to do is um, spend about four, maybe four minutes or so, sharing with each other one of your more um, meaningful times you've had with God. And it could be a time from last week. It could be a time from 20 years ago. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. When we value those times, even though you can feel like, well, but it was 20 years ago, so what, what's the big deal? It matters. When we value those times, even if it was 20 years ago, when we let Jesus know how much we appreciated about how he encountered us, it, it quickens it. It opens up that space again. And it actually provi- helps provide a doorway for more encounter. And besides, it's just something in the spiritual realm. Appreciating, valuing, being grateful for is good for our soul. It just is. And it actually helps us enter into his presence more. Does that make sense? So any questions to that? What I want you to do is just spend a few minutes sharing with the other person a meaning, a time where God really met you, and it doesn't even matter what it was. It could be you had a dream at night. It could be that he just showed up for you in an unexpected way. It could be you're just in worship, and he, you know, he just revealed himself. Okay, anything, anything that was just the most meaningful to you. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? Okay, so break up groups of two or three, and I will tell you when to change. Remember that when the uh, lifeguard would blow the whistle? Yeah. I always wanted to do that. I don't know how to do that. I didn't have a brother to teach me how to, how to whistle like that. <laughs> how was that? How was that? Is that good? Awesome. Okay, well, now I'm going to invite my friend Sarah Wilson to come on up. Hey. <laughs> so glad you're here, sweetie. So we could, you know, you want to just sit down? We can just sit. Yeah, let's just sit. This is a small group. They can all, you can all see us, right? Yeah. Let's just do that. We'll do it like this. We'll just make it very casual. Yeah. So I invited Sarah. She's a friend I've known for a while now. Yeah. Yeah, we've known, gotten to know each other a little better more recently, but um, because I just, um, I know that she's had some encounters with God, and um, she sees a lot in the Spirit, and, and just, I know she's got just really values just having a very uh, intimate, sweet connection with Jesus. So I wanted her to share, just like you all have been sharing with each other, because I think it helps us. It builds up our faith, our, builds up our confidence. Oh. Oh, it just, it just felt like we should sit down and just stand. Oh, yeah. thank We're you, camp. Russ. <laughs> You're so sweet. Okay. All right, and our special guest tonight is Sarah Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wanted her to just to share some things from her life. And her relationship with Jesus that will kind of, I, I just always love hearing those kind of things. Like, how do you connect with Jesus? And, 
and how does that work for you? And how do you draw closer? How do you move past it when it's hard or you're having a hard time? So um, I guess my first question to you would be, um, tell us about how things first started for you, that you started having encounters with God, and um, you know what that looked like. Well, first of all, I have to say, Russ and Susan are some of my most favorite people on the planet. <laughs> you guys are so blessed <laughs> to be seeing them every week, and they're just great. Um, so thank you, Russ, and thank you, Susan, for being the gift that you are. Really, you are in the body of Christ. Thank you. Um, I was raised in a Christian home knowing about God. So from early experiences, as far back as I can remember, I was in Sunday school and experiencing all of the traditional ways of teaching the word. I uh, asked God to come into my life formally when I was four. And I remember that evening with my cousins spending the weekend at my grandparents' house. And I made sure to tell my uncle, who was a pastor in training at the time, so that he wouldn't worry about me. <laughs> and then he's a very dramatic man, and so much fun, and he went around the house and just had his own little party over that, so that was exciting and hard to get to sleep after. But when I was six years old, I had a dream, and in the dream, I was at a special performance, and I had walked through the doors. The, the dream started at the back door, and we walked through the doors to the assembly room, and we got up in our choir poses and the rows that we were assigned. And after singing the first two songs, the boy who was standing next to me to the left fell off of the highest place um, that we were positioned in. And he wasn't coming to. And there was a gash on his head, and he was injured. So uh, I had that dream. It was very vivid. And then the day came for our special performance, and I was busy uh, with my cousins and helping my mom, who worked full-time and distracted. But I put on the special dress my grandmother had made for me, and I came through the doors, and then I realized every face I was seeing, every sense I was having was the dream that I had had. So then I was very distracted. <laughs> my, my grandmother leaned over to me and said, Sarah, are you okay? And uh, my kids would tell you I have five children. They would tell you I still get this way. <laughs> Mom, are you okay? Are you here with me? <laughs> are we okay? <laughs> and um, we got into position, and it was so surreal to be experiencing my dream. And I didn't do much singing that I remember the first two songs because I was waiting for the end of the song and for the, the boy next to me to trip over his own foot. And I grabbed him, and I yelled at my friend in the row in front of me, grab him, grab him. So 
I made a big mess. <laughs> but he didn't crack his head. He wasn't unconscious. <laughs> that was my first experience. And um, because I think having known God from such a young age and it being infused and natural in my life, um, I wasn't in a denomination for many, many years to come that would be open to understanding dreams and visions as a part of spiritual gifts and hearing from the Lord. But it never really troubled me because I was so young when I first experienced it. And it was so clearly God. <laughs> he was helping. <laughs> so I continued to experience dreams and visions from that time on. And some of them have been just like that, where I'll walk into a scenario that I've already had a dream of, and I know exactly what the Holy Spirit would have me do in that moment. And many, many times, it's symbolic of something else. And God lets me chase him and pursue him to know his heart in the matter. So when you say symbolic, meaning not everything's literal. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. Um, so when you have an, so that you're talking about prophetic experiences. So I'm wondering if we could talk about encountering God himself. Like, do you have a, a certain way you encounter him? And do you have to make a choice? to have that encounter? Well, see, I want to ask the kind of questions that I need to know to help me grow in these things. <laughs> Susan and I were talking earlier today, and I was telling her, so I'm sitting in the car, driving back and forth from prayer appointments this weekend, thinking, if I were Susan, what would I want to be shared? <laughs> And the most important thing, I really believe the most important thing that we can share tonight is personal experiences because as long as I've been in the ministry of prayer and focused on all varieties of healing to the body of Christ and those yet not in the body of Christ, your experience to God brings a greater depth and a greater width to what you will anticipate and expect the person you're praying for to experience. <laughs> Your experience with God will bring a greater depth and a greater width to your expectations for the person you are praying for, for the person you are going to meet up with that you don't even know about yet. I really believe that our experience with God, it's kind of like being on the plane when they instruct you, put the mask on yourself first. Be busy about the business of knowing God first for you. Because it expands on the inside of you the tent stakes of heaven so that you have all of that expectancy when you're praying for someone else and believing for their healing. So I would say to you that, yes, it is absolutely vital to trust God. I came from a history of sexual abuse. There was abuse of all varieties inside of my home in the growing up years. Um, there was alcoholism around my life um, and a lot of brokenness, a lot of brokenness, 
a lot of behaviors that I was mimicking that was just brokenness, trying to survive situations. So maybe some of you um, would, would witness that or understand that. And it is the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, that has healed my, my heart, that has changed my mind about who I am and about who the person sitting opposite me in any encounter is. I've learned that it's vital to choose to trust God. You know, I tell my children, and I minister all the time, forgiveness isn't a feeling, it's a choice. You will feel the power of forgiveness, maybe not in the moment you choose it, but you will feel it because it's real in the unfolding in your life, your heart, your mind. Amen? So it is with trust. And put me to the test on this. Choose to trust God when you don't feel it. Choose to trust him when you're afraid. When everything in you wants to scream and run the other way. Because I've been there. And you can do it if I can do it. Trust is vital to getting to the secret place. And everything that Susan's been sharing tonight is just so targeted. I keep a pulse on the prophetic inside the state of California, as well as prophetic ministries that we've been connected to over the course of time. And can I tell you, secret place, hey, this is being preached and taught all over the place in the prophetic community. It is the most intimate place we can go. We should be coveting this more than anything else. Remember the expansion, the depth. The more we covet being in that secret place, the more the courtroom of heaven opens for us, the more the healing virtue of the Father opens for us, all the rest of it comes from there. It's key. It's key. So part of me getting to the secret place has been getting quiet. I was raised in a pretty large family. My aunt and uncle had 12 kids, and I spent a lot of time with them. I have five kids. And we've lived in all varieties of small dwelling places. So you can imagine how comfortable I am with noise. So quiet isn't a matter of what's going on around you. When I say get to a quiet place, if you're on a freeway, get to a quiet place. I go to my bathroom a lot. <laughs> Kids know if mom's going to the bathroom, she needs some time with Jesus. Let me just go hear the Holy Spirit for a minute now. The quiet place being you in your heart seeking God. Getting quiet is necessary because there's going to be a lot of distractions and the enemy perpetuates distractions to keep you from getting to the secret place. Also, peace is vital. So it's something we can choose, but I find for myself, I relax into the arms of God. His arms are so big and he's so awesome. Just relaxing into the arms of God and I visually will let myself go back into his arms. 
I'm choosing peace in that moment. Peace is the conveyor belt the Holy Spirit's coming in on most of the time. I like what Graham Cook says. The Holy Spirit is never absent from the place of your deepest need. So we get to the quiet place. We fall into God. He just leads us right to the source of all life. Amen? A lot of times when we're going to the secret place, we're looking for safety. Another thing that um, Susan has said. And a lot of times when you're going to be praying or administering to somebody, safety is what they're really seeking in that moment. They think if I can just get safe, I'll feel better. And maybe things will get better. They're probably coming with hopelessness, with something defeated on the inside of them, feeling unworthy. And I can say all of these things as descriptors because I've been there. I know exactly what you're feeling when you're not feeling safe. But safety, we know, can be a door that leads to a much bigger room, right? Because everything about God is safe, but it's so much more than just safe. He's got things to unpack and things he wants to bring to us. So we're choosing to trust. We're getting quiet. No excuses now no matter how loud it is, because if I can do it, you can do it. And then we're falling into peace. In this way, we're naturally predisposing ourselves and the person that we would minister to in the love of the Lord to safety. And that's going to be a big door for most people. It's really important to ask. And, you know, I wasn't always able to ask for myself, but God put me in fellowship with other people who could ask. So we would agree together or touch and agree together, and they would say, Holy Spirit, come. And he came. He came every time. When we're choosing to go to the secret place and we're choosing to fall into the arms of God, we need to ask. It's like What we know of God not intruding and not choosing for us is also true in going to the secret place and experiencing greater in him. We need to ask. And you know, Papa God loves to know that we want him there. (laughs) He delights in it. He relishes it. I do as a mom. When my kids ask for help, hey, girlfriend, I am there. I love that. That's his heart. Amen? Okay, so I was going to ask her to just share a, just a special place or a time she's gone with God somewhere. What that looked like, what that felt like, what did you do? Well, in preparation for this, I particularly wanted to cite in my own ministry with other people praying for healing, some of the most familiar places. So maybe that our ears would be keen to it, like we'd be suspicious of it, like, oh, that sounds like Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
Do you get what I mean? The meadow is one of them. How many have been to the meadow with God? Yeah? Awesome, right? Yeah. The mountain is one of them. How many people have been to a mountain peak or somewhere you'll hear someone describing being in the clouds? Mm -hmm. Water, either waterfalls or rivers, another very familiar place. You start hearing someone, whether they're a believer or not, talking about, ooh, I feel some spray on my face. Ooh, there's some water. Like, you're sitting over there. Yes, there's water. Right? Holy Spirit. Hmm. Another one is an empty space. A lot of times, it begins in an empty space, and the person will get to choose where they go from there. But it's empty. I've found in the testing and proving of this that God inspires the blank canvas, taking away both the bad or any memory that may even be good. So he is not predisposed. He gets to travel with the person. So for me personally, some of the first places I went to with the Lord was the meadow. Even when I was little, I remember going to the meadow with God and letting the big hobbit door open up, like the gate, you know. Those of you who are Lord of the Rings fans, that's a great picture, right? There's hobbits, hobbit doors and all that fun stuff. (laughs) And just seeing the field and all the color of the wildflowers. A really easy thing for me as a child to choose. Okay, I'm asking, can I come be with you? And then there's pinks and purples showing up, and I know I'm beyond the gate and into the meadow with the Lord. Those are some of my first experiences going into the secret place. But I've also learned in going into the secret place that there, as much as there is vastness to the Father, you know, there's just vastness. He's just grand, huge, deep, wide. There's also many appearances to him. So I've learned that a lot of the expression that we get to participate in, and we were talking about this um, during our small group time, is we get to be the feet of Jesus. We get to be his hands. We get to be his mouth. We get to be his eyes, right? In In a situation, we get to be those things. And so I've learned that as many ways as God will express, if you're familiar with like C.S. Lewis, he talks about God the Father being like Aslan, the lion. A lot of times people will share of different creatures, and I'm listening and I'm waiting. And someone recently shared, I just see this ginormous eagle. It's very, very big. She seemed like maybe she was going to get scared, and I go, oh, why don't you go up to the eagle? I'm right here. Let's go up to the eagle. Because I knew that that was going to be an expression of one of the parts of God. I just knew it. (laughs) So lots of different ways that God can express who he is, spirit, son, and father, in moments where we go into the secret place. 
So one of the things I'm, I'm hoping we get to do before closing this time is just to pray for that to expand on, on the inside of us. We wouldn't, like, hold on to any tradition of the past, you know, came from places that were traditional, and we just want to let go of those things and the formulas that attach themselves to those things and just allow the Father to take us where he wants to take us because he knows in a moment when an eagle is going to be a more acceptable perspective in seeing him for that person to get to his heart. That's all that it is. It's getting to his heart. Um, well, maybe I should ask, do any of you have a question you'd like to ask? Hi. I'm trying to put it all together. And so when you talk about the meadow, I'm like, is she talking like, like a physical meadow that you go to or a meadow of seeing a vision of God? Could you help spell that out? Because I'm like... I'm having trouble like figuring, are we talking about a real eagle that we're seeing and that's a picture of God? I'd love to just make sure I'm understanding correctly. Yeah, so I'm actually talking about a place you go with another thing that Susan touched on, spiritual senses. You know, one thing that the Holy Spirit has had me doing in a lot of group meetings lately is praying for an open of spiritual senses that have been closed. We're coming into like a time window when we're going to need them all. And I'm just going to add one other thing. And some people, sometimes people get kind of weird about this, but I'm just saying go to the scripture. Go to the scripture. Go to the Psalms. If I can, have, if I can be with someone from the new age and pray for them and they start walking in Psalm 23... Shouldn't we? <laughs> Shouldn't we be taking that back? And and look at the you know the first century church. They were getting translated and going up into heaven. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. So this is is this our ultimate goal? No, this is not our ultimate goal. But cultivating this can help us strengthen ourselves in the Lord. When we're struggling, it, it, it helps open that place of getting more connected to him. Having a visionary experience just helps. Let me just put it, it's just put it that simple. It just helps. It does not replace reading the Bible. It does not replace worship, scripture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think especially in the Western world, we've kind of shut this stuff down a bit. Does that make sense? And we were never supposed to. Dreams and visions are part of our heritage as believers. They're all over the Bible, all over the scriptures, all angel seeing and ex- connecting with angels. It's all over the scriptures, and we've kind of lost that too. You know what I mean? In first century, again, going back to first century church, who who was it? Was it Peter? When maybe Russ can help me with this. He remembers these things better. When Peter came to the door and knocked at the door and they, oh, he thought it was just his angel because he was in prison still. Remember that? What was his first thought? Oh, it's got to be Peter's angel. Well, why would they think it was Peter's angel except that it was normal to see people's angels? Just think about that for a minute. Why else would we think that was Peter's angel? Yeah. 
So it's not like, again, this is our ultimate goal to have these experiences, but, but we want to bring this in as well, to have that fullness of experience in God. Does that make sense? And one more question. So I'm curious, um, do these experiences happen spontaneously at any given time, or do you welcome these experiences? And so can you talk a little bit about timing? So Karen, did I answer your question? That was symbolic. And before I leave that, I just want to say it's very important with dreams and visions that we look at the symbolism first, okay? Um, it's part of why we spend time coming together like this, because we want to have some language to put to it, you know? We want to be able to talk about the things of God intelligibly with other people. And I don't have to break down every experience in light of somebody else's experience, but I do need to be able to talk in correlation and agreement with the Word of God about my experience. So when we encounter the Father, when we experience Him, we need to be driven to the Word to look at where is that story played out with someone else. I have yet to find the things that I've experienced in the Lord not played out on some level in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And all the personalities of people are there. Mm -hmm. All the spiritual gifts of people are there. I like what Susan's saying about the experience just helps visually in our imagination. And we have in Western culture, by and large, shut the door on imagination. You want to get rich Inside the kingdom, spend some time with small children. Start letting their imagination unpack on you. If you were more in touch with the little person on the inside, you might experience God more. Amen? It's a good motivator. Because we all need to get healed. I don't know anybody who doesn't. So, symbolism is present in everything that I'm describing. But Let's be driven as a community to the word of God, to check it, to see it, and to be able to unpack it with actual words. Amen? Oh, I forget what your question was. It was a really good question, too. So, just about timing, do you welcome these experiences when they happen, or do you think God's Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be somebody who lends themselves just by the nature of my gifts to something more like visual. God uses me with pictures. I, I have dreams. I, I regularly interpret dreams every week. These are all ways that he has spoken to me for my whole life. I felt challenged the older that I have come in the Lord to know the word in those areas inside and out because that's my gift, you see. If your gift is giving, then pour into the word. Pursue that gift. I think in Proverbs it says, give yourself over to it. You're designed for it. You're perfect for the gift of healing or service or giving. Whatever it is, give yourself over to that in the word. Ask those questions at the assembly place that pertain to your gift because the more that you expand in that area that is naturally your gift, the more the presence of God pours through you in any given environment. So my pursuit 
has been to understand dreams in the word, to understand visions in the word, to keep pursuing God in the word and in my time with him to have a language to put to it and to be well-versed in it because that's my gift. So someone like me is going to talk in a lot of symbolism or have these experiences where somebody, some of my very closest friends are gifted in administration, and they blow my mind because that is not my gift, and it comes so easy for them. Hmm? So praise God, it's all each person specifically made the way that they are for a purpose in the kingdom. We all work together. We all fit together. So I have these experiences with the Lord when he wants me to. But can I say to you, Jeannie, that the more healed I am in one year after another in the Lord, I'm just waiting for them. Right? I'm bigger, bigger, bigger on the inside of me, God. Right? Can I move my hands further out that you can just interrupt me while I'm picking up a piece of celery in the marketplace? You know, whatever it is that you want to do, have your way with me. As John Wimber used to say, spend me as you will, right? But we can't really, we have to pursue healing. We have to pursue knowing him. I love what Susan said about the presence. He is in the present place. So getting into that quiet place in the presence of God, his present place, changes everything. It changes everything. It's like putting on a different pair of glasses in relationship to all the relationships around us. So I preface that because that's how I'm made. And maybe some of you are also made in those kinds of gifts. You have more revelatory gifts. And you experience God in these creative ways. And he stops you in a moment. And he starts to download all this information. And you're like, wow, cool. And now, where's a pen? <laughs> That's my big question nowadays. Where's the pen? But we, as a body of believers, no matter what our gift is, we can invite him. And I challenge you. To begin to go to that secret place purposefully, recognize the scent, the appearance, the touch. Start purposefully grabbing a hold of your spiritual senses in that place every day. You know, you brush your teeth, you care for your physical body every day. This is your spirit. Every day. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we are going to, by the way. We are going to do some practicing of doing this. We're not going to just talk about this tonight. And I'm going to bring, uh, bring Sarah back up in a few minutes, and we will do an impartation, and we will, we will take you into an encounter, actually. That's how we're going to close tonight. So, so um, I, I just want to add a couple more things um, to what you were... I'm sorry, your name again? Jeannie. Jeannie, what you were asking. And I think um, Sarah did touch on that. One huge key thing to having a time encounter with God is being still and present. It really is. If the kingdom of heaven is within. In fact, let's spend one minute just doing that right now. Everybody, close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. 
And I know you weren't all here earlier in the, our first time we, we did an Emmanuel moment. What I want you to do is from the top of your head, just let everything relax. Just slowly top of your head, down to your chin, down to your shoulder, your arms. Let everything just go loose, relax, quiet. Sit back. If there's any tension in your body, just let it go. Let it relax. Let it be still. And now ask yourself in this moment, in this moment, first thought, where's Jesus? What's your first thought? Where's Jesus? Where is he? To the right, to the left, in front of you? Where is he? Would you like him to come closer? Just invite him a little closer, whatever you're comfortable with. Would you like him to put his arm around your shoulder? And I hope you're recognizing that he's respecting your choice right now. For some of you, you're like, yeah, right here, right next to you. For others, it might be, mm, keep, your keep a little distance. And he is respecting what you want. That's how much he loves you. So this is the gateway to an encounter. And you can just keep on moving through it from here. And you can start asking him questions. For instance, if you're having a hard time connecting, you can ask, Jesus, why am I having a hard time connecting with you? Right? That's what you do. And you listen to what he says. Okay? And I'll give you another secret for encounter. Whatever you do encounter, be grateful and appreciate how he's showing up. Appreciation, gratitude opens up spiritual space and spiritual connection with God. Yeah. How you guys doing? Did all right? Yeah. Got suddenly got a little bit charged in the atmosphere here. <laughs> well, I'm gonna share a little bit more, but we are definitely gonna close by leading you into a um I just want to do that real quick, just to say uh, one more thing I want to add before we move on. Any encounter you've ever had with God might have happened 20 years ago, but it's still, because we live in eternity, that encounter, it didn't happen way back when. It's in eternity. So there is nothing wrong. In fact, there's great can be of great value to going back to that time and saying, Jesus, thank you for how you met me when I was four years old and peace came into my life. Go back, remember it value it, be grateful for it, it opens up the spiritual space for you. Okay, did you want to say something? Oh. This is Russ, my husband. Hi. Um, I just put this up. I wanted you to know that we recorded last time, and it was really powerful, and we also got to hear from Teresa 
with you last, last, last time, and she gave permission for, uh, for us to put that up there. And it's, it's Winds of Change Bay Area. It's up on Podbean, and I'm hoping to get today on that as well. I just want to let you know, because I'm not sure how I'd reach all y'all. We don't have, no, I don't think we have everybody's email address. And I had a suggestion for you, Susan, offline. Okay, so I'm going to just share a little bit about an encounter I had with God because I think it has some, this is just what worked for me. And it may work for you, it may not work for you, but it might, give, it might get some light bulbs going off of ways you can actually help cultivate an encounter with God. So part of it is just simply carving out that time, giving God a day of your time, a couple days of your time, and saying, okay, what do you want to do, God? and see how he leads you because sometimes it takes that I don't know about you but sometimes I just get busy my mind gets full and it's hard to just in 10 minutes to go quiet okay I have half an hour be quiet and still and have that time with him sometimes I need to carve out a little more time so I had um, I have on occasion taken retreats where I'm off on my own for four or five days and this particular time which happened a number of years ago I did what I often do. I grab, I get a concordance. I love concordance. (laughs) And I just start asking God, what's going on in my heart, God? What do you want to do in my heart? And then he usually starts a word or a phrase comes to mind. And then I go go to the Bible and figure out where is that? Where is that thing that's in the Bible? And I look for it. And I usually end up landing on Song of Solomon or Psalms. Those are usually the two, sometimes Isaiah, the more poetic things for me. But this particular time, I did that. Um, And let's see. It's, um, yeah. What I love to do, I just get out, I write out, the scripture that's hit me hard. I look up the phrases in the concordance. I pull out all the words. Then I take that scripture, I put it in my own heart language so that it really, I really am starting to connect with it. Yeah? Susan's translation. Hey, why not? Why not? What matters, not some, you know, it's not even the translation we read so much as how we're allowing the spirit and the word together to connect, because that's how, the, how we are to read our word anyway, with the Spirit, isn't it? Because we, we can't all understand it all. In fact, a lot of our translations have been mistranslated, you guys. I hate to tell this to you, but it's true. Because who did the translation? Humans. Humans with their own skewed view of things. We have a friend who's a, actually a linguist from Cal, He's a Christian. He is a Christian. He's a, he's a linguistic professor at Cal. And there's all over the Bible where words have been completely misinterpreted, so mistranslated. Because of, because of social skews, social prejudice of the time, right? So let trust the Holy Spirit to give you revelation of what he wants you to know. And how many of the scriptures have so many layers to them, too? I mean, they are designed to be three-dimensional for our lives. 
I like to think of it as being the holodeck on Star Trek, Next Generation. I love the holodeck. And for me, the scripture, if I really have an encounter, it's like that. It's like you step into it. It becomes the meadow. It becomes the green grass you lay down on. It becomes the still waters you walk, you walk past. You were talking about mountains. You were talking about waterfalls. That's all in the scriptures. These are our, you know, yes... They're poetic, but yes, they are real in the spirit realm. And we're going to know that someday, I think. Um, so this particular day, I, um, Song of Solomon 2 really popped out at me. And what really surprised me about that scripture, it talks about, Arise, my beloved, come with me, come away with me, and all this. So I kind of heard this wooing from him. And the part that really blew me away is when I really started looking at the part where he says, I want to just look at you, Susan. I just want to enjoy your beauty. For I find you most attractive and desirable. And I'm like, me? Me? Really? Me? You, God of the universe, wants to just look at me? I don't have to do anything for you? And it just started softening my heart. He also was saying, um, and again, this is, this is the scripture. This is Song of Solomon. This is what it says. I want to hear even your very few simple words. Even the unformed cry of your heart is sweet to me. A wondrous offering of your friendship and communion. And as I started um, sort of taking that in and absorbing it, we started walking together. We started walking up those steps in Song of Solomon too, walking up those steps to the cleft of the rock. And we went through the cleft of the rock and we walked into the meadow. There was the meadow, there was the water. The next thing I know, I am in a town. I don't know if this is true for everybody, but I think it's true many times. We have, we have places like towns in our secret place, places we can go. There's like this restaurant I can go and just hang out with Jesus, and we can seek and drink wine. We can, we can dance. There's music playing. Um, I see Teresa's. Mm-hmm, yeah, Teresa's nodding back there. She knows what I'm talking about. There's a place there that can get you immediately connected to the throne room. There's also a space for doing that there, sort of like a wormhole, <laughs> beam me up type place. Um, I won't go into all the details, but just lots. I, will, oh, I do also want to say this for many of you. You've had dreams or vi- and or visions that you're like, well, that was interesting, but I'm going to tell you, you, it was a glimpse of your secret place, and you didn't know what to think about it. But some of those encounters, you, they are for you to go back to because they are a place that God crafted for you to have an encounter with him. And you thought it was just maybe a little random glimpse or dream or something like that. But these things are, are for us to, to value and cultivate. Now, am I able to, you know, open-eyed, full-color experience that 24-7? No, I am not. I have to do that getting still and quiet and being very intentional to go back into these places. 
Does that make sense? Like in times of deep worship. So no, I'm not experiencing this every day, all the day. But I know it's for me to go back to when I need to get to that place of deep peace and being with him. Does that make sense? So I'm encouraging all of you, the encounters you have, you have, value them and go back to them. Because they will help you just in your journey to be encouraged, to remember who you are in the spirit. This Our Western world gets us so left-brained that we start reasoning and rationalizing and figuring everything out. And we are to walk by the Spirit. That's what we're asked to do, not by reasoning. Our mind is good. Our reasoning is good. It's not bad. But we are to do first by the Spirit and, and get into that place where our mind is submitting to the spirit, right? Because the world is running everything in their brains and in their reasoning powers. And there's this, we will learn by experience how to do that, how to become more active in our spirit life and allow our mind to come under and submit. So why don't you come on up? And what we're going to do now is we're going to pray for you all for an activation of your divine imaginations because God gave you an imagination. It was his idea. We were never supposed to lose it as little kids. Sometimes we did. We got whatever for whatever reason. Um, We're just going to bless that now that God would open that up and activate that. Um, and I will just say this, when I was in uh, Brazil once, there was a, a young man who had, been, who had had downs, had been sealed, Davi, what was his name, Davi something, I forget his name. Anyway, he'd been completely healed of Down syndrome, and he was open-eyed, having constant experiences, angelic experiences, and, um, he prayed, and he prayed an impartation. He said, okay, I want you to pray this impartation over people to see and hear in the spirit realm, so... Why don't you pray your impartation and then, um, well, during worship today, the Lord showed me a picture and, um, being that my gifts fall under prophetic, I'm going to bless you with my gifts. <laughs> Amen. Cause God is good. <laughs> so this may be for one of you or many of you, but there was a picture of a clock and the hands were blue. And the hand that was smallest, pointing to hour, was at nine. This is new revelations. The hand that pointed to the 12 marker, the minute hand, was like a mitt, like a boxer's mitt. All of this was blue. So I believe that there are some of you who have been waiting for some new revelations. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord a really long time, and you just need more. So I'm going to encourage you. That's your starting place for moving in tonight to the secret place. Because he's heard your cry. He's heard your heart. And he's going to bring in new new revelations for you. But maybe some of you have been wrestling and fighting like fists for the land that God would give you. Things he's promised you, things that the enemy's throwing at you that you're fighting up against. 
So the hand of God is revelation tonight. And what better way to fight than with new revelation? Amen? So I encourage you right now, if that's you, to let that be your beginning place. And we'll just close our eyes and invite the Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. Have your way with us. We thank you, God. We praise you, Lord, for new revelations tonight. We want to know you more. Lord, we ask that you would take us to the present place of your glory. We invite you to come and inhabit us. Some of us just need to get connected back with the vine. Father, just connect us back with the vine in the present place. You guys are good at this. So stay where you are with Father, but I want to pray over those of you looking for new revelation. Amen? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have what we need, all we need. I just join with brother and sister alike right now, and I ask that the place of our deepest need be exposed unto you. We choose to trust you, God. We lift our hands tonight, our hearts tonight to victory, that you bring us new revelation for the glory of your name. So I break off any tie that binds, any tie that keeps you tethered to the past. Right now, in Jesus' name. Because the new revelation will require you to move in further to the secret place. So we just break that and every power behind it, in Jesus' name, at the root that the tether would no longer hold us back and withhold revelation. And we just expose to the light of the Lord any lie that we have believed. Ooh. The new revelation of God would blow our minds. Would move us in further, abundantly above, over what we could ever imagine. Ooh, imagination is opening up right now. Mm. 
lies just falling off. Ooh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Wherever you are with God, whether you're seeing a thing or feeling a thing, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit now to breathe on that. So, Father, we just invite you and we ask, Holy Spirit, would you breathe on your expression right now? I bless your divine imagination, the imagination you were born with, that childlike gift of wonder and awe, washing off of you the cares and concerns <laughs> the years since then have brought. Have We ask Jesus, you just... Just any, uh, I don't know, cynicism would come off us now that's held us back from just embracing life wholeheartedly, embracing play, embracing curiosity, embracing the freedom, yeah, to simply be with God. Yeah, and I impart to each one of you the gift I was given by Davi, that your ears would be opened, that your eyes would see in the spirit realm in a new way. So I know some of you are already having an encounter with God, and I just encourage you to stay there and ignore me. But I know some of you are probably struggling a little bit. And this is for those who might be struggling. This is an open vision I had some years ago that's like a movie that's playing in heaven. <laughs> that... Um, I'm going to invite you to come into with me. Okay? You see a castle off in the distance 
with a drawbridge. You're riding along on a white horse in a beautiful, vast green meadow, surrounded in the distance by a thick forest, as you might imagine parts of England in an earlier time. You've been invited to come as an honored guest. You feel this draw, this invitation coming to you, a welcome even from a distance. As you approach the drawbridge, you're warmly greeted by the castle guards. You notice they are dressed in red and gold uniforms. They look like young humans, but not obviously male or female. You just know these are angels. They seem at once compassionate, lighthearted, fun, respectful, yet their eyes are deep, wise, and penetrating, but with full and total acceptance, and they seem much older than they appear. You can understand each other immediately, even without words, like, like you're reading each other's thoughts. They graciously asked you to get off your horse. <laughs> They're going to take care of it, and you can trust them. You understand that this horse represents your gifts, your self-identity, your calling, your passions, your desires. And you might sense a bit of a twinge, a reluctance. Can you relinquish that which gives you worth in the view of the church, the world, yourself? But you realize immediately that you can trust these ones, and they know better than you how to take care of these things that are closest to your heart. You feel completely peaceful and at ease in handing your horse off to them. You are then led into the courtyard of the castle. There is much activity and scurrying about here. There are many more of the angelic beings around you, all very similar in appearance to the guards you met outside the castle, but these are dressed in simple white robes. You are led into a series of different rooms. In the first room you enter, you see a large, elegant bathroom. It is permeated with an incredibly clean, fragrant atmosphere. And the whiteness of the light somehow feels alive, radiant, holy. <laughs> you realize you are to be bathed. The angels wait on you like a servant would wait on a king or a queen. It immediately feels comfortable, feels natural, allowing them to let you undress. These beings, they cherish you. They care for you as a mother would lovingly hold and care for her own child. They bless your body because you are wonderfully and gloriously created in God's image. You step into the bath and they begin to wash you gently, lovingly, 
the water soothing, warm, and fragrant, the subtle smell of roses. The angels are in awe of you in the sense that they are so pleased to be in your presence, experiencing and enjoying you at the unique creation of who you are. You know they are seeing not so much the outward body, but the whole of who you are. Your personality, your history, your yearnings, your desires. So many feelings wash over you. Your senses are alive. The sweet, perfumed, soapy fragrance, the gentleness of their hands, the delicacy of the water washed so clean, cleansed in every pore. You step out to be dried off with, a wide, with the softest of towels. You sense the joy the angels feel in serving and ministering to you. Even though no words were spoken, whole volumes were communicated deep beyond words with eyes and expressions. They know who you are through and through, and that is enough. For perhaps the first time in your life, that feels comfortable, because even in knowing you, you're accepted, you're honored. You have no need to explain yourself. You don't even desire to do so. Where normally you might have felt a twinge, a shame, uh, I'm not enough. There is none of that. They know you, even your imperfections, your weakness, and yet so loved and accepted you are. You are wrapped in a soft white robe and led into another chamber. This next chamber is a place to have your hair cut. You realize you could choose to tell them exactly how you want to have it done, as you normally would do. Or you could leave the style, color, length, etc. all up to them. Somehow, you sense you have no need to tell them what would look best. What you want at that moment is to totally trust their judgment. They have wisdom and an understanding of beauty and what is honorable and fitting far beyond your own, and you can trust them. As Esther surrendered to the eunuch, it seems so easy to surrender here. It seemed more important to trust their perception of what is beauty and what is fitting than to hold on to your own perceptions. As they finish with your hair, you are ushered into another room and you realize it's time to select clothing. In this, you know you have a choice to make. You look around, see a myriad of different garments hanging along the walls, all beautiful, satiny, flowing, luminescent, exquisite colors. The colors, the fabric seem alive, seemed to have a glow with living light. You sense that these clothes don't exactly call attention to themselves or the one wearing them. It does seem, however, that you would stand out here in this place if you wore normal street clothes. 
These were pure, wholesome garments that cause you to be more at one, more connected, and at ease with this environment you're now in. As you select your garment, you become aware of how much you are now able to mirror the beauty, the freedom, the glory of this place. As you receive your true identity as a righteous son, daughter, clear, clean, accepted, known, valued. Becoming in your own way just as attractive, just as much a unique work of art created by God as anyone else, through and through. The purpose of these clothes was not to flatter the wearer, but in a corporate additive sense to compliment the whole, like being the bridesmaids and the groomsmen at a wedding, not needing or wanting to stand out as individuals, but being met and satisfied as a beautiful frame for the bride and the groom. You are then taken to a room filled with musical instruments, and you are handed a small harp. An angel is there and shows you how to play just a few simple little notes. Uh, you're a little concerned about what you're to do with this. It is so new, so foreign, so unexpected. But you are told you will learn more as you need to, and that is that this is enough for now. So you practice for a little minute and get a little more comfortable and familiar. And at one point, the angel nods at you, and you realize, although somewhat uncertain, <laughs> it is time. A shift has taken place, and you realize the preparations are complete. You find yourself in a hallway in front of a grand ornate door. Wonder and awe fill you as you recognize this door leads to the throne room where the king awaits. And you see two doors, two angels at the door dressed as guards. These look a little more stern and businesslike than the others. And they ask you to relinquish all your weapons of offense or defense. You might feel a little surprised. You hadn't realized you were lugging around a bag of such things, weapons of self-protection like blame, justification, jealousy, judgment. These were all things we, we seem to think we need here in this world to help us to feel protected and safe. They seem so essential here. And you realize how familiar those things were to you. They almost seem a part of who you are. But looking into their eyes in this place, you realize the choice is yours. Here at the throne room, there is absolutely no need of these soulish devices of self-protection. It's time to let them go. You sense no judgment, no shaming. In fact, the guards fully expected to collect such things from everyone who comes here from the outside. Then the door opens, and you enter the throne room. 
It was vast, so vast, you can see the walls only at a distance. A tall, vaulted ceiling, you could barely see the top. Crystal, sparkling chandeliers. Before you fully realize what has happened, you become aware that you are being escorted on your left side by the Holy Spirit. It seems so natural to be there arm in arm. Here he was like an old trusted friend, his presence so warm and comfortable that you start to relax and snuggle in a little closer. You may or may not get a sense of what he looks like. It is enough to just be with him. You're so at ease, and yet there's an excitement. Anticipation is palpable in the room. You're standing in a receiving line like you might be in a wedding, and you realize the end of this receiving line is the king and his son. There are many, many others ahead of you standing in line to meet him. Yet the weight is so charged with companionship in his presence, you melt into a timeless zone. You're overwhelmed with a sense of being so honored just to be there. It may even dawn on you, what have I done to ever deserve this? feeling so complete, so whole, so like you belong here. As you slowly make your way to the front, you can see the Father greeting each one warmly, calling each one by name, each a special, unique, treasured guest, enjoyed, savored. The Father would then introduce each one to the Son by his side. You feel so excited you can hardly contain yourself so near the source of all love, all goodness. You can, fe you can feel the barely containable passion and excitement of the Father because you are there, so near. The sense, though, is that it is so important to the Father that each one of you meet the Son. I mean really meet the Son for who he is. He wants you to look at him face to face, acknowledge who he is, and know who you are before him. Father God takes such delight to introduce us, saying, See? This is the one who did it all. He is the one reason we are all here. We are celebrating who he is and who you are because of him. There is no higher pinnacle than this realization, this fulfillment and satisfaction of the unrequited love that was poured out upon the earth so many years ago. You stand before him now face to face. The focus really is on meeting Jesus, the Son. It's like the Father is deferring completely to his Son. This was a party thrown in his Son's faith honor. You can sense the deep pleasure 
in the Father. You are their entire world in this moment. You may not be able to see distinctly the features of their faces, but there is such love, such joy, such peace, such compassion, mercy, holiness. There are no words that adequately describe the overwhelming goodness and fullness of being there in their presence. Then you're invited over to the orchestra. You probably forgot you still had that little harp. And there you are, greeted warmly, given a chair to sit in, a place reserved just for you. Did not seem to matter that you really are a complete novice. They let you know that all you need to do is play your few notes and be yourself. You realize in their presence that you may be a small part, but a uniquely significant part of this body of Christ. Jesus has now left the throne and is approaching. His eyes focused on you. His smile is warm clearly communicating his delight to be with you. As he draws near, he slowly reaches his hand out to you. He's inviting you to go with him. A doorway opens before you. Will you go with him? What does that doorway look like? want to step through with him look around what do you see listen smell breathe Ask him, Jesus, is there something you want to give me in this place? What are we here for? Jesus, what part of my secret place is this?
What do you want me to know about my myself in this place? Can you show me, Jesus, how I can come back to this place again? done for the evening. I know you're all like, home, <laughs> But I just want to, Jesus, I ask you to just seal that place and keep that place, um, whatever encounter you had with God, just that awareness that you can go back there, that you can keep on encountering him, that you can continue to explore these places with him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing in our midst, God, for each and every one, God. We just bless you, bless you to just continue to go from glory to glory in him as you look upon his face. Amen.